I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, back in the 1980s, when Darren Hinch ruled the Melbourne radio airwaves, part of every Friday morning was set aside for Darren's indulgence. Now, stand by for the podcast version. Darren, welcome to That's Life. Thank you, Squire. Good to be back. Now, when I used to listen to you uh, as a high school student and a university student, uh, I could, I'd, I'd hear you do this thing on your radio program called Darren's Indulgence. Now, I can't remember what day it was. I think it might have been a Friday, but I'm not Let me sure. Tell you. Okay. Now, all all those decades as a serious journalist and a foreign correspondent, and I think my biggest ratings during the week was Darren's indulgence. And it was on a Friday. It was like my, indulging me just before the week ended, and it's called Darren's indulgence. And what I'd do, and we, we got some good prizes to give to people, we'd, we'd, I'd play a record, right? And I had a few basic questions like who's singing it? And then I'd have a couple of really nasty little hidden questions in there about the song. Now, I was thinking about this just the other day because Jim Steinman has died. And Jim Steinman wrote, people wouldn't even know who he was, but he wrote a lot of stuff for um, Meatloaf. He wrote Bad Out of Hell. He wrote a lot for Celine Dion. He wrote for Bonnie Tyler. Um, and I, and I've, I must admit, over the years with Darren's Indulgence, I used a lot of his stuff because I'd say to somebody, okay, in the song I've just played, I'll give you an example, there's a um, there's a song, I think it was for um, Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me now, right? And I'd say, what were the two words in the song that start with F? <laughs> and, and if you got one wrong, the next person came on, right? So somebody got one right, they'd stay on, and as soon as you got one wrong, the next person stepped up, and we gave away about Fifteen hundred bucks worth of prizes every week for it, you know. But the F, the, the, the F one, uh, all coming back to me, was um, the fact and the fantasy. Right, the fact well, and the fantasy. And so, and another one I played was um, my favourite. Actually, my favourite Meatloaf song is Two Out of Three Ain't Bad," and the lyrics in that are brilliant. If you listen to them right through, you know, um, you're, you're looking for a ruby in a mountain of rocks, and then it says, "But there ain't no Coupe de Ville." in the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. And most Australians have no idea what a Coupe de Ville or a Cracker Jack box were. Well, I know it's a car. Yeah, it's a it's an upmarket Cadillac, Coupe mm. de Ville. Um, and it was a, um, um, a Cracker Jack box is like a box of of um, honeyed, uh, not honeyed, uh, sort, of, sort of caramelised popcorn called Cracker Jack. Right. So there ain't no, there ain't no, you're not going to find a Cadillac at the bottom of a bottle of popcorn, right. a box of popcorn. You know. Well, look, that album, uh, which came out in 1977, uh, was the most magnificent album uh, that I had heard, you know, for a long time and and since really. Every song on that album was fantastic. And bet how to hell you turn it up and it just does something to your brain cells, I think. Well, um, I've been watching Meatloaf sing it. Uh, recently, a couple of so songs. He was bloody good. I mean, I know we remember him for the disaster at the uh, the grand final, but he was in his time. He was a brilliant singer, you know. Um, and I remember way back when he was, he was a big star. Two things: one was that um, I was on Three X Roy, 
Foyf tonight, and I we tried to call Meatloaf at his hotel in Germany, and they put us through to the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, why not? Yeah, so that course makes sense. Uh, that's the one. Uh, yeah, and so it was, it was, it was Meatloaf, and uh, and I, 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 and one of, one of his one of his songs. Oh God, there's some other line I wanted to use from one of his songs. The one, the, oh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, right? Mm, mm. Which was very explicit about a guy trying to, well, you love me tomorrow, you know? And he's trying to get off with this girl, and it's quite explicit. And I'm on 3XY, and we just played a track, a, 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 probably two out of three, and bad or bad out of hell. We played it on the thing, and I'm, suddenly, because Paradise by the Dashboard Light was banned on most radio stations. And suddenly it just segued into it and suddenly 3XY is playing Paradise by the Dashboard Light and I don't know how to stop it. You know? so <laughs> it was not a great moment in my, in my, my disc jockey career. It, it was um, a, a great sort of uh, album for someone. I mean, I was 18 when it came out, so I can relate Thanks. to a, a lot of the, uh, the, the music. And then later on, uh, one, one song... Uh, it was the 90s, and it just took over, 1992, I think. I Would Do Anything For Love it was like an operatic uh, 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 rock love song. Great song. Yeah, the, the funny thing about that was, in some of the, in one of the obits on Twitter, it said, before he died, did Jim Steinman ever tell us what that was? <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> so he, he never did. Uh, I'm sad too, uh, Darren, because I thought uh, uh, the meatloaf was fantastic. He actually came into 3AW at the old building once, mm-hmm. and I managed to get my photograph taken with him and had a quick oh, wow. chat with him. He was a lovely guy. Uh, he was. Uh, he meatloaf. was. I mean, he he seemed so unassuming because he was big. He was a bit, bit chubby, and he, he had no. He didn't assume anything. When he's, I watched him. If you go to go to and look at him on YouTube or whatever, he, when he's singing um, two out of three ain't bad, he's so unassuming. He's got braces on and he's but he's just so the voice is brilliant, you know. And going back to Jim Steinman, one of his great lines, Bonnie Tyler, I mentioned, um, she sang Total Eclipse of the Heart, right? And one line of that was, "Once upon a time I was falling in love, now I'm just falling apart." <laughs> <laughs> Great lines, aren't they? Ah, good lyrics, yeah. yeah. And uh, the melodies of these songs. Uh, the thing, I'm always amazed at uh, people who can write song after song after song. Now, yeah. you, you, you might not like Neil Diamond, you might love Neil Diamond, but uh, he's a prolific writer. Bob Dylan, another guy. I mean, these mm. guys, just, just uh, w- it just comes out of their head. These songs wouldn't exist without them. It's, um, yeah, well, that's true. Well, but, but see, um, Steinman, he wrote for Air Supply as well. Air Supply is always one of my favourite groups. I used to play them a hell of a lot on, uh, on 3AW, you know. Um, who who else do you like in the musical area? Because you know oh. you do play the drums, so you do have an interest in uh, music. Oh uh, uh, yeah, well I, I, yeah, I um look, I, I'm very old fashioned. Uh, uh, people used to say that I, I love female singers, music to slash your wrist by. I mean, I love Jane Oliver, Barbara Streisand, Janice and uh, on the male side, I like. Um, Harry Chapin. Uh, I, I like s- songs with. We should say songs with words. Mm. Songs with good lyrics. <laughs> songs with good good stories. You know. Yeah. Um, well, Harry Peter, Chapin. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter Allen with um, Tenerfield Sadler. Great it's song. A glorious song. You know. Yeah. You knew Peter Allen, didn't you? Yeah. Very very well. He. Um, yeah. I actually. Um, in a funny way, he was connected to my, my, 
my getting married to Jackie because uh, I'd, uh, Liza Minnelli was in town and Peter Allen was in town and Peter Allen was doing a show in, in Melbourne uh, at the Palais or somewhere, I can't remember. And I took a date to, to watch Peter Allen and afterwards, I was invited to go to a, a party saying, oh, Peter Allen's going down to check it to um, the underground because uh, Liza Minnelli's there and they, they, they may even sing together. And my date had to work early and she said, um, I've got to go home. She said, she, she said, why don't you take Jackie? Jackie was there and she said, why don't you take Jackie Weaver down there? So I said, okay. And so Jackie, that was our, almost our first non-date. We went down there and watched Peter Allen and, and, and Liza Minnelli. I also had to get up early to do the morning shift on 3AW, so I, I dropped her back at her hotel and said, I said, you know, hey, why don't we have the movies one day? What a, what a great story. And then years, years later, after, years after her marriage, she said to somebody in an interview, and he never bloody took me to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell you a Peter Allen story. And he told me this himself. Um, he was nominated for. He got a call from Carol Bayer Sega, right? Um, they had written um, Arthur's theme together uh, with Christopher Cross and um, Marvin Hamlish and her and Peter, and they were nominated for an Oscar for Arthur's theme from the movie Arthur. And Carol Bayer Sega said to Peter, "He said, she said, look, you obviously won't want to come. He said, what do you mean I won't want to come to the Oscars?" And she said, well, you only wrote one line. <laughs> he said, yeah, but my line was, when you get lost between the moon and New York City, it's the only line anybody bloody remembers <laughs> yes. from the song. That's right. That's the hook of the, of the so entire song. It is the whole hook. And he, he said, I went to the bloody Oscars. And I, think they, I think it won. I think they did. Uh, that would have been the mid, uh, mid-70s mid or late 70s. Who, who was the British comedian who uh, starred in that? Um, Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore, Dudley that's Moore. right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. I, I still use a line from Arthur's theme, you know, and, and that is um, when, uh, when Arthur at one stage says to his butler, I think I'll take a bath. And the butler says, I'll alert the media. And I'll, I've used that many times, I'll <laughs> alert the media. When somebody says something so inconsequential, you know. Now, you've always, as your theme song, had uh, New York, New York. No. Uh, Wrong. Well, sorry, that's life. That's yes, right. right. Yeah, Thank that's, you. That's life. I apologise. Same singer. Yes. Sinatra. Yeah, I apologise. Uh, that's life. And we wanted to um, use it for this podcast, but there uh, was the rigmarole into it. It's pretty expensive, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Getting a little bit of approval to use a little bit of a song. Yeah. Um, Funny about that's life, you know, I, um, one, on AW, I got a, a call once to uh, say, well, Darren, you've got to stop playing your theme song, obviously. I said, Why? Uh, and it was about a, a, a couple of days after Pope had, had been shot, right? And I said, so? And then I thought of the words, you know, riding high in April, shot down in May, <laughs> and the Pope was shot in May, and some, some very dear Catholic said, Darren, you can't play that anymore. Well, <laughs> it doesn't really relate. Well, no. that reminds me of when, when there's a plane crash anywhere, uh, the ads for aeroplane flight always get taken off radio stations yeah. for that uh, fuel. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Look, look on, when I was doing television, uh, we never bowed to advertisers, I and mean, we, we did a whole series of, of exposés on how some brand of Ford cars were jumping out of gear and uh, and were you know, causing crashes and pinning people against garage doors, etc. And the only thing I ever did, in fairness to the, to the Channel 7, um, 
was that I would alert the sales department and say, hey, we've got a story coming up on the... Pro oh, I didn't. Dermot O'Brien, my producer, would call them and say, hey, we've got a story coming up on, on the show tonight, which is attacking Ford cars. Um, just check your schedule and make sure there's no Ford ad coming after that segment. Mm -hmm. You know, because I didn't want to embarrass the advertiser and also didn't want to make a fool, fools of ourselves. So yeah, well, we'd always just alert them. And I'm sure on radio the same thing happens because um, I, I recall... God, let's go back some years. In New Zealand, when I was living there, a um, a lawyer in Dunedin was killed when somebody um, sent him a, a parcel bomb in, in, in the mail, right? And the radio station, it became very famous and infamous in New Zealand, the radio station ran this this news flash that a, a prominent lawyer had been killed by, by a letter bomb. And then they faded straight back into the next song and it was a song called Send Me Your Love and a Package Labeled Dynamite. <laughs> well, <laughs> those, those things happen in, uh, in radio. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I'll tell you another one. In Channel 7, this is going back so long, um, I think our Governor-General was Viscount Dunrossel. I think I'm right saying that. Anyway, he died. And so the news story was that Viscount Dunrossel had died and they went straight to a commercial... And it was a cigarette commercial saying, light up a Viscount, a Viscount, a Viscount. <laughs> well, it reminds me of uh, when I was in Alice Springs, my first ever radio job. And we used to, our job was to do the funeral announcements. Mm -hmm. And you just, uh, you know, you had music that you would play uh, at the beginning and then fade that down and then read all the dead people. And there's quite a few <laughs> dead people in Alice Springs nearly every day. And then you're, you're supposed to have a bit of a pause and then play an appropriate song. And back then, uh, Patrick Hernandez had a big song. Do you remember what that was? Born to be Alive. Oh, God. <laughs> we, 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 we uh, I once did that. Now, I didn't do it on purpose. It just oh happened like that. And, but uh, you know, radio and television, those sort of snafus happen all the time and you, you can't always you can't always stop them yeah and it's live so you can't take back what's just gone to air it's just <laughs> impossible to do i wanted to ask you there and that's life now that's been uh, associated with you for such a long time uh, how did you come upon deciding that as your theme well, song I, I was i was it was when I got back to Australia from uh, from America, and I was doing some stuff on on TUE in Sydney, and I figured you have to have some sort of theme song. And uh, I remember um, Bob Rogers had 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 one for um for for, for sixty seventy years. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how, but it just it struck a struck a nerve with me. Like, and it's like you know, I've been a, a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a king, etc., etc. You know. Um, and it was like you'd always get back on your feet again, and it, it was a very positive song in a way. I, I, I loved the lyrics, and I loved the, uh, I loved the, the, the feeling of it. And also, I was, I was a big Sinatra fan. And ironically, it, it became just stuck with me. I mean, every morning I'd start it. Good morning, you know, having played a little bit of. That's life every day, you know. Well, in many ways, it's like an anthem of your life because uh, it, it's it tells the story of uh, you know. It, Problems, issues, uh, yeah. uh, well, victories. A, I've been up and down and over and out, but I know one thing: you know, <laughs> you get back on your feet. I, and ironically, and this is a very quick plug for my new book, which will be coming out probably in July or August, uh, with Hardy Grant. It's called Coping, and it's about that's life. It's about how do you cope, especially with COVID. How do you cope with um, with life? 
was it bad health news? Was grief? Uh, was losing your job? Uh, was a broken romance? And so I've written a book about how to cope. And it comes back, it started, the whole germ of the book was my um, dear old paternal grandmother, Sarah Elizabeth Hinch, who was born in 1880. And she once said about something else, she once said, it's now quite a common, she was the first person to say it, I'm sure. She once said, it's not what happens to you in life that matters, it's how you handle it. And uh, I, uh, and that got to me when I was diagnosed with cancer. It's how you handle it. And I've, actually, I was at a function recently, I took your name in vain because I was at a function in Geelong for the, um, for the uh, Cancer Research Foundation. Uh, at a luncheon there, and I mentioned the, that story about how you handle things when you've told you got cancer. And sometimes people who are who are cancer victims handle it better than their families do. It's quite interesting to to, to analyse that. But I told a story about you where one day I walked into the newsroom and you were there with somebody else, and uh, and I just said I heard one of you say, "Oh, I feel terrible today. I think it's the weather," and somebody else said, "Oh, yeah, I'm a bit the same. I think it's that time of year." And I said, oh, yeah, I think it's because I've got cancer. <laughs> it was Andre and, Noel. Uh, was it? Yeah. And, and the thing was, there was such a dead silence from you guys <laughs> that I had to break the ice and say, hey, guys, it's okay, I'm fine. You know, because I had to, it was just, I just dropped it in there and it just, it, 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 it went down like, as they used to say, like a fart in a space suit. You know? Yeah, well, look, you, 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 you've, you've had to cope with a lot of things. Not, not, not just your health issues and being sacked, I don't know, what will be up to now, 16 times. 16. <clears throat> but you, you've, you've had some uh, pretty passionate and torrid love affairs where, where your heart has been broken. Uh, I, I mean, and, and I saw something in the paper the other day about a broken heart syndrome. Uh, and it's a real thing, isn't it? I mean, oh, when... I think it is, yes, yeah, but I'm in fairness, I've... I've, I've done that to other people as well. I had my heart broken. I've done to other people. The person who broke my heart the most uh, was a gorgeous woman called Linda Stoner who who was running uh, animal welfare projects decades ago and she still is running animal liberation in Sydney. And we were engaged well, 35 years ago and she dumped me. Um, that broke my heart. But uh, for the last three years we've been together again. <laughs> Well, there you go. The, the, the ultimate recycling. Yeah, I, I remember you did. You presented something at an awards night or yeah. something, right in the middle of this torrid situation with Linda yeah. Stoner, and to all of Australia on national television, you, uh, prof, you, you know, you, you announced your love, even though I think she just <laughs> dumped you. I think I said something like um, it, was, it was a film. It was a, a television. It was a film award in Sydney, and Linda and I were presenting together. We'd been picked to present right. long, long before. That's right. And uh, and uh, I said, he still let it. He still let us say I love you to somebody, and we'd broken up by then, you know. Uh, and, and I remember it was around the time of the uh, the bush Ash Wednesday bushfires, and I was on an appeal with Don Lane, and Don Lane being um, being so occasionally gauche. She said, oh, Darren, why don't you do donate your engagement ring? You don't need it anymore. <laughs> that's, a, that's very nice of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's there trying to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was a bit, bit fragile at that time. But uh, I tell you what, if you, anybody's having a, having a love affair breaking up, two things, okay? One is it's a great way to lose weight. A broken love affair is a great diet. But number two, you will get over it.
Yes, you well, will get over it. Life goes on. It does. Life goes on. It does. And, you, and your life goes on. And uh, a little bit sad at the time, but uh, eventually, uh, you know, things come into perspective. Time is a, uh, a great healer of things, uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is actually. In the end, you think, you know, especially, and I'm being very serious here, with young people, this is why you're so upset with teenage suicides. Um, you imagine a young girl at 16 who gets jilted and, 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 or decides that things are going bad and, and, and takes her own life. If she'd got to 20... She looked back on that and said, "What the f did I ever see in that guy?" You know, yep. it, it did a bit more learning and a bit more life experience there. It wasn't that important. It wasn't worth taking my life, and that that really, really, it really hits me when you hear about young kids, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, who are topping themselves. It's just awful. It, it is a a big, big issue. Um, uh, in Australia, youth suicide. And uh, I know a lot of money's been spent on trying to solve the issue. There's a lot more psychologists and a lot more money being spent on mental health. But m- young men in particular, um, it's quite uh, quite an issue, isn't it? Uh, and there'd be nothing worse than being a parent of uh, a child who's taken their life over something that you know they will eventually get over and they've lost all those years ahead of them. And the other thing too, not only they've lost all those years, parents feel guilt. They feel, what could I have done? Why didn't I see this coming? What could I have done to prevent it when often you can't? Uh, I've known of cases where a son has committed suicide and the, and the parents haven't survived it together. So, you know, they've... They blame themselves, they blame each other, and they, they split. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a a pond of dreadful ripples. Mm. It, it is. We mentioned uh, That's Life before. Frank Sinatra, were you were you a big a fan at all of him? And did you ever meet uh, Frank Sinatra? I, I never met him. I was a fan of his. I went when he did his last tour with, like, with Liza Minnelli uh, here. I went to that. Um, he was he's a, one of the best voices ever, um, you know, um, but... He was not a nice person. I mean, he he associated with with mafia types. He liked that sort of stuff. I mean, the idea he with the Rat Pack and things, he boasting about eating, you know, eggs and bacon off some woman's naked chest or something. And he did hire thugs on occasion to beat people up. He was not a Sinatra was not a nice person, but he was a a brilliant a brilliant talent. He had the um, he had the uh, ability, the breathing ability of, of amazing massive lung projection, which, which worked as, as a singer. If you listen to some of his phrasing, it's incredible. The only person they used to say who was better than that was Tony Bennett. And uh, ironically, Jackie and I were at the, years after we split, we were at the, at the Logies together. And uh, we happened to coincidentally walk into the Logies from the VIP room, walk into the, into the actual room, alongside Tony Bennett. And, I don't know, one dimension or one direction or some young group was due to appear, and all these young kids are screaming like crazy, and I watched, standing beside him, watched Tony Bennett, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, walk into this, this place totally unrecognised. Mm. Uh, it was just... It was, it, was, it, was, it was actually quite sad, because I thought, if you kids only knew... What the, the talent in this two-legged man here? You would be amazed. Yeah, well, they, 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 unfortunately, they don't, but they will find out. Because Frank Sinatra always said that uh, Tony Bennett was his favourite yes. singer. Yes, yes, he did. He did. He did. Um, <clears throat> I went to Sicily about four or five years ago, 
And in the in the centre of Sicily, there's a town called Lercara Fridi, oh, right. and that's Frank Sinatra's father's hometown. <coughs> oh, wow. And uh, we went up to uh, the piazza in the centre there where all the old guys sit. Uh, that's what I, I like to do when I go to Italy because <laughs> they're, they're the friendliest guys. Yeah. And I said in Italian, uh, this is the town of Frank Sinatra's father. And these old guys go, yeah. And they were only too uh, happy to tell me the stories and help. And one of the guys goes, I can take you to the family home. So we walk up these cobblestone streets, turn left, right, all over the place. We come to this uh, concrete stone old, old. I mean, it wasn't historic. It just looked old and run down. And there were three stairs going down to the to the uh, to the, to, the, to the road and uh, the old guy goes well Frank Sinatra's father walked down those three stairs as a nine year old boy in 1903 to go to America and uh, Frank was born in uh, 1916 and a lady came out across the road and she hung out her clothing and I said did Frank Sinatra ever come back here and she said no no he never did but his father came back and as we were walking back the old guy goes and we're famous for somebody else too lucky luciano came oh from God. this town <laughs> the, the, the mafia man. yeah so when you say about frank and the mafia uh, i i i he, he of course he knew them because I, 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 I can tell you i'll tell you a sinatra story you talk about his father going to america frank sinatra's mother became an abortionist in hoboken new jersey yes yeah, well, she was from Genoa in Italy, so was north, she, okay. yeah. Um, um, and she was involved in politics, Democrat politics and stuff okay. like that. Um, uh, so, uh, but being Italian, I know, when you come from the same town, of course you would know each other. You're Paisani. Now, whether mm. uh, he's in the mafia or not in the mafia, you still would know who he was. And uh, I, I'm always surprised that that link to that town never was publicly more revealed no, because no, Frank Sinatra know. always said he came from a town called Catania. That's where he said he came from. But uh, no, he came from Lercada uh, Fridi. Celine uh, Dion. Me, which leads me to you to remind you, we are going to that Italian club you told me about and have some lunch, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Celine uh, Dion, you mentioned a bit earlier, uh, mm. Darren, did you, did you have any dealings with her? Because I know Bette Midler was someone you, uh, you yeah, had some Yeah, I knew, uh, knew Bette fairly, fairly well. Are you still I, in contact with her too, aren't you? Well, I, I, sort of. I mean, I just she uh, she put a thing out on... Uh, on Twitter the other day saying, I've just turned 75, I can't believe it. And so I, I went direct mail back to her and just said, hey, bet I can sum up the world and, and the meaning of life in 79 Twitter characters. And the meaning of life in 79 characters is inside every old person, there's a young person saying, what the fuck happened? <laughs> And I've learned something else, which I've also put in my books. I've got a chapter on ageing and how you handle it and how you cope with it. Um, and as I've just realised, I've now realised, there are three stages of male life, Tony. Yeah. There's, there's youth, there's middle age, and there's, gee, you're looking good. <laughs> is that, that true? Ain't that the truth? I, 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 I've, and since I've thought of that, the number of times somebody walk up and say, gee, you're looking good, <laughs> you know, I'm that old, huh? Um, uh, we've been talking about death a lot, but I wanted to mention the uh, passing of uh, Walter Mondale. Yes. Uh, he, he was a vice president, uh, I think, in the Jimmy Carter presidency. He was, he was. And then he took on... 
uh, Reagan. Reagan yeah. And of course there was that great line from Reagan when they were talking about each other's respective age because Mondale was saying how Reagan was, I think he was only 71 or 72, Reagan, yeah. which, which by today's standards is young. Uh, 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 and what was Reagan's line? He said, I don't want to, I don't want to bring up the issue of age because I want to accentuate my opponent's inexperience. Yes, youth and inexperience or or something like that. Uh, 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 Walter Mondale. um, uh, A lot of Democrats especially say he was the best vice president ever. That he, you know, he, he was a he was a lowercase l liberal. He lost by one of the biggest margins to Ronald Reagan, you know, and which brings me to something. Now you've got um, um, Caitlyn Jenner is going to run for governor of California. Right, the former Bruce Jenner, who's now Caitlyn, she's announced recently she's going to run for the governor of California. And I think, well, it's not that crazy. I mean, you had an actor called Ronald Reagan ran for governor of California and then became president. You have a bodybuilder called Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, who ran and won the governor of California. So if Caitlyn Jenner, one of the Kardashians, Kardashians if, if she wants to run for it, she may have a good chance. There's a, there is a, a strong push to have the, the, the current governor recalled, which means he could, be, he could be thrown out of office in a recall if you get enough votes from people. Now, that's and, because of the COVID uh, handling, yeah, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, various things. He, they think he's handled it badly. Look, these are all COVID elections. I mean... I've said before, um, in New Zealand, um, she won because of a, uh, the, on her handling of COVID. In New Queensland, we had uh, Palaszczuk has won because of the handling of COVID. Out west, you got in WA, he, he's regarded by what WA people as being tough and strong on COVID. You had Trump lost in America, I believe, because of his bad handling of COVID. And Morrison is taking a kicking at the moment in the, because... The, the, because the the vaccine rollout hasn't been as good as it should have been, mm. so so COVID is is a huge huge thing all around the world. Just back to California, uh, it, it is a particular type of uh, state, isn't it? It's it's more liberal than anywhere else. Yes, it in, is in the United States. And liberal Democrat, yeah, very liberal, very Democrat. Yeah. Um, have you? Uh, I know you. You were at uh, in in the Ambassador Hotel when uh, Bobby Kennedy was uh, yeah. shot. But uh, have you spent a lot of time in California? Oh, yes, I have, yeah. I, I, on, I bought an apartment block in California back in the sixties for fifteen thousand dollars. Holy jingoes! <laughs> What, in Los Angeles? No, down south of Los Angeles, yeah, Redondo Beach it was called. Wow. Uh, and I saw if only it. you owned it now, Darren. Yeah, I've only owned it now, yeah. Can't believe it. Um, and so that was that. was that. But look, California, uh, Mike Nichols, the, 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 the director and playwright, he once had a great line about California. He once said, when it's 70 degrees in New York, it's 100 degrees in California. When it's um, such and such, it's, it's 170, I'm ruining this joke now. How I got it right? Um, in the end, he says, there are 100,000 intelligent people in New York. There's 70 in California. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got the end. I missed the middle. Okay. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I have been in the middle of an earthquake in California. Uh, so five, have I. 5.5 quake uh, but it's it's when it's warm in california when it's freezing in new york it's warm in california i've been that there was in the december second, that, was the second part, that was the second part of the joke yeah, okay listen i, I was in, a, in an earthquake in california and i 
when the picture, I was in a hotel and the pictures fell off the walls and God knows what, but uh, that was the one where 40 people, more than 40 people died when a veteran's hospital fell over. I was in a, in a car and we'd, we were the only car on this freeway driving and there's nobody around. And I realised why, because suddenly in front of us, there's a three foot gap in the, in, oh. the, in, in the freeway and you had to gun your engine, your rental car, to get over it. Oh, gee. And we're doing this. And it was just, uh, it was just the most awful time, you know. But there used to be a joke that the reason why Howard Hughes bought so much of Las Vegas is when the big earthquake came because of the San Andreas Fault, Las Vegas would be the new West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, well, they always talk about, you know, the big earthquake that's going to come because there was one in the early 1900s, which was monstrous. And uh, it's on that big fault line, and uh, that fault line's not going to go away. It's the San Andreas Fault. I don't know why I remember that, but that's what it's called. Mr Hinch, it's been a pleasure again uh, talking to you. We've touched on uh, Jim Steinman, Celine Dion, Walter Mondale, and uh, your indulgences. I think we've really indulged ourselves yeah, this well, time. Yeah, well, Darren's indulged. I love doing that. We had, we had great fun with it, so there you are. And, right, <coughs> and uh, let me tell people, please uh, give us a bit of a review at the end there if you uh, mm. like what you've heard. And... Um, uh, register, uh, you know, so that when the, the, the podcast come out, it goes directly to your phone and you know that it's uh, come out. Uh, we'll talk next time, Darren. Talk soon, mate. Bye-bye. All the best.